Kia ora, welcome to The Tim Show. I'm Tim Morrison. Now each week I invite a couple of buddies over to have a bit of a kōrero, we have a bit of a sing-song, and I show them some of my postcards from Hollywood. Ooh, and they're looking pretty flash too. I visit the whānau in New Zealand and around the globe, and I even score some A-listers. Now, this week we've got a Tim Show special. Episode 3, Involvement of the Kiwis. I'm talking Star Wars. We find out how they make us clones. And I catch up with Rena Owen and talk to the producer, Rick McCullum, and talk to the big guy, George Lucas. So, lightsabers on! How do you feel about that? Because of the burning in their butthole. He can't sit down. He's got a burning in his butthole. He's got a fire. He's got a flame coming out of his butthole. God's going to have a flame coming out of your butthole. You're going to have a flame coming out of your butthole. If you thought that AIDS was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Do you have a tail or is that your hair in the back? Ah, Hair and a tail. Wow. The best, <laughs> the best of both worlds. Oh, thank you! Yeah, it really, uh, such a, a, a unique little character. It's um, mesmer mesmerizing. Um, so, uh, anyway, I forgot the question. You know, might go off, or I don't know, what kind of practical jokes do you play? Well, with my new chemistry set, thanks to Brie Larson, her, um, I do like to uh, make stink bombs.
What is up, everybody? This is your boy, Jerry, the Cannon Junkie, and welcome to yet another Bombad Thursday. It's good to see you guys here. Um, yeah, so if you're new to the Bombadcast channel, um, I usually sit down with my buddy Scotty, me and buddy, me and buddy Scotty. Um, I don't, don't know exactly uh, what I'm trying to say there, but uh, me and Scotty, uh, sit down every Thursday. We do this, our main show, our piece de resistance, our um, uh, the the flagship, I guess you could say, uh, of of this little uh, romp into YouTube land. Uh, and you're watching it right now. You're watching it right now. It's right here, the Bombad Cast. Been seeing this the whole time. Uh, we've been doing the opening, uh, a weekly Star Wars ex YouTube experience, guys. Welcome, you've arrived. But every Wednesday. My boy Scotty will sit down with a, you know, one of those old fashioned uh, uh, penny arcade games. He'll play around a bit. He'll uh, have a bit of a core diddle and he will uh, entertain you and beg you to buy him food. And guys, listen, you got to check out Bombad Gaming. Scotty's been doing a lot of really awesome stuff there. Uh, and, you know, every other Saturday... I do a little show called Hyperfocus where I sit down with someone usually from the Star Wars Twitter slash YouTube space. And um, I, you know, I talk to them about whatever they want to talk about. It can be Star Wars. It can be uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. It could be, um, I don't know, how they like their eggs. Whatever literally is on the table. And uh, we have a good time kind of hanging out and talking. And you also get a chance to call in at the end of the show. Uh you know, if you are uh, watching live along with us, but guys, I am so excited to uh, to be here with you guys. And you know what? We've got some of we got some really awesome people waiting in the wings here. And so let me go ahead and um, bring one of them in real quick here. Uh, we've got a returning guest, uh, Gruge. Cruz, it's good to see you, buddy. Um, glad to have you here. And uh, look, he's he's very excited for the topic tonight. And the topic, of course, is we're talking Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, no, this is not hyper-focused, but you know what? We're going to roll with it anyway. Uh, and it's good to have you here, Gruge. Uh, Gruge, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but for real, we do have someone here. And I'm going to pull the, them in because uh, we, we're we having a little bit of a, a, a thing here. Uh, Scotty will, I, I believe, be back and everything, but he had to run and take care of something real quick. Um, but joining me tonight is, um, well, I'm just going to let her speak for herself here. I'm going to bring in uh, the wonderful Regaba. Hi, Reagan. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm sorry that I'm once again eating on screen. I'm a disgusting human being. I can't help Have it. Have you watched this show? I, I literally ate like I, <laughs> I ate a pie during Potathon. I'm pretty sure. I think it was Potathon. It was our Potathon hype stream. Like I literally <laughs> ate two McDonald's pies, the greasiest warmest pies you'd ever have. Um, but yeah, no. Um on Bombad Gaming. I ate a plate full of popcorn shrimp. Um, <laughs> I so just had a, a like I, I while I was waiting in the wings. I like during the videos I scarfed down a whole plate of cauliflower right. wings. I hadn't had dinner yet. Um, hey, well there you go. And I listen. 
I live to serve, you know, I, I like to, I like to play a lot of videos. And so, you know, I was, I, I want to give you plenty of time to scarf your dinner down while you're getting ready <laughs> to come on here. And I don't know, talk about this, this, uh, a really good, well-made film. And it, we, uh, you've, uh, we're telling us backstage, you know, you have thoughts and everything on it. And so, um, and we all do. And, um, I think one thing we can all agree on is that it is a very well-made, a very, um, it's very cinematic. And Absolutely. I, I don't know if you agree with, um, with this kind of telling of it, um, or with, with my read on it here. Uh, I, to me, it's one of the best, uh, or I think it is Jordan Peele's best myself, myself, but it's been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, and also I'm biased because I like you, I like UFO shit. So, but what do you, what do you, where would you rank this on like on, on Jordan's films so far? Um, what do you think? It's Just because we love ranking, you know, because on a, on a yeah. purely technical, purely cinematic level, I would definitely say it is leaps and bounds, even though Get Out is a fantastic movie, like just in terms of like skill as a filmmaker, I'd say it's, it's leaps and bounds. It shows tremendous growth from Get Out, but story right. wise and in terms of the narrative and just kind of holding me um it doesn't it's just not it doesn't compare to us because when us was finished i walked out of the theater just in a daze for like i was unsettled yeah i was um i i couldn't sleep that night i went to work that was all we could talk about for like the next week and you know there was definitely like um like nope is is a very much a conversation piece it is very very much a think piece um oh yeah maybe, maybe more than i wish it had been because um and okay. i can kind of get into this later i feel like it's not necessarily just a jordan peele thing i feel like as um as filmmakers have more avenues to be creative kind of the way that we absorb and just kind of expect a story to unfold has changed yeah. and no one it's not oh, really absolutely um it's not uh obligate to have a, a like a di direct beginning middle and an end and um right you know, that works really well and like jordan peele does the obtuse really well but what kind of um took points off the score of this movie which seems like incredibly pretentious of me who is no one to say is just that I would oh, stop. No, but I just felt that um, there were so many excellent ideas like shot after beautiful, like just absolutely jaw dropping, stunning shot. It just didn't. The cinematography is incredible. So yeah. incredible. And um, like, I, you know, as like you guys said, um, like, homages to close encounters all, like the entire third act is an homage to jaws like from the dinner scene on and oh man um, absolutely you know like and it's it's you could tell it's it's absolutely a love letter to those movies i just wish i didn't i left you know when the 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 yellow credits like rolled at the end it was kind of like in the oh, same yeah. way that when us ended i was like what just happened but it was a mm -hmm. different kind of what just happened because like I knew, like, I felt that it was going to end kind of abruptly, and I felt like I knew what he was saying, but I still felt that there were a lot of little vignettes and stories that felt like they were leading to something 
other that did, it was like a shoe that didn't drop you know oh um, okay yeah yeah but i can't I like i walked out and i posted on twitter like i cannot criticize this movie or say that i didn't enjoy it because up until the very last second i was glued to my seat i just kind of felt like right uh, you know so yeah no it's in I remember leaving the movie theater. Um, I don't. I, I I remember going to the car. I think Scotty had already seen it, and uh, a friend of the show, and uh, like you know, you know, friend, just friend in general. Um, Adam Frazier <laughs> had also seen it, and we were kind of in like a little uh, group chat on on uh, Twitter that, you know, I was like talking to them, and I left the theater thinking this is this generation's Jaws. You know, and I don't know if I'd quite go that far because, like you said, it is more of an homage. But at the same time, it 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 to me it feels unique enough to stand on its own. But it, it definitely it definitely evokes Absolutely. that feel. Absolutely. I mean, more so than even the the first the Close Encounters. Close Encounters is almost just like a kind of you chuck that in there because it's as you think. And, and we are going to be getting into some spoilers and stuff tonight, guys. Um, so, you know, if you haven't seen Nope, uh, just say Nope to this <laughs> and go ahead and get it out of there. And uh, also, I love that Reagan, you can't see uh, Reagan's uh, handle on here right now, I think is the Bombad border. No, where, <laughs> where are our handles? <laughs> what the hell? We got, no, no, where are they? I guess we're not, wait, anyway, I guess we're not doing, um, oh, show this, here we go. There. There. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Which I think is very clever. So I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't, I'm going to leave these up here because uh, anyway, again, really good. But yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't really know. Like, and I, I was talking a little before. Um, I, I think this movie did traumatize me a bit, which might feel a little, um, I know some people might kind of be like, I oh, really, like, what are you, what are you talking about trauma and stuff like that? Like, I don't mean a, like, you're, I, such I, a, like, you're such a soft and gentle soul though. I know. Well, and I'm not <laughs> going to, um, I'm not going to like, you know, talk about how much it ruined my life and everything, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff because it didn't, again, it was a great cinematic masterpiece. Like I, I shudder to use masterpiece, but at the same time, like it was a very, this was the first movie in a long time that I felt this is why they make movies and stuff. Like, so, uh, honestly, since I think probably Knives Out. Well, you know what I felt a couple years ago? Like, the balls on him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. And I oh, know it's ginormous. Hollywood. Like, his last two movies Pendulous. made a lot of money, so he gets a lot of leeway for sure. But right. there is a time, you know not not too long the road that if like not like you show those um, i can't talk not too long ago down the road that okay. you show storyboards of that movie to a bunch of old-timey billionaire movie executives and they would just be like huh you know and they'd hand I, them a list of extra of, of you know uh alternate titles like right. hey, name it name yeah. it escape from burger city right <laughs> you know? yeah exactly um uh and uh that list i know what you're talking about in that list what there was yeah, one right there was one what was the last movie on that list that it cracked me up so hard i, I was have crying. it actually it was so keep, ridiculous keep talking i do have it um, um here. but what i was gonna say is like you know i think with especially with us it it proved that um kind of a very out there 
um, very kind of uh, hexagonal story could make money um, that you could really, honestly, I mean, because if you think about what the, the advertising for us was, it was, um, it was, it didn't give a lot away. It was just a really well shot poster with Lupita Nyong'o, you know, with these wide vacant right. eyes and a scar. And you didn't really right. like there, it gave nothing away. So all of the, really that the, all of the box office of that movie really came from word of mouth from people walking out of that movie and being like, dude, you have to see it. Right. And I think that because of that, it allowed him a, like a, a, a lot of leeway. And I think he took even more than that. Like he just kind oh, of, yeah. Nope was, a, it's very clearly a passion project. It is very clearly him making art for himself. You oh, know, yeah. he was creating right. as he wanted to create. He did what, you know, what I think he always does, which is try to tell a, like, kind of interweave a very modern and relatable social tale with, um, you know, with the fantastical and the supernatural. And, you know, in that regard, it was it was really above and beyond. Um, you know, I think that part of like, I might have suffered from what I felt like a lot of people, especially people of my particular skin tone, uh, kind of suffered from, which is the like, where's the morality tale in this? Like, you know, like it's it's got to right. be and and like waiting for that shoe to drop, which it I think it slightly does at the end, because there definitely is a moment where I feel like a lot of people are holding their breath for Kiki Palmer. But um, yeah, but, you know, I oh, think yeah. maybe when I on a, upon a second viewing where I'm not expecting it to all like weave together and tell like kind of tell the story in the way that like get out did and and to some degree the way that us did i might right. i might have very different feelings about it but you know i felt like everything like everything in it was just it was such a, a like such a chunk of different really interesting creative expression really different like takes on things that we deal with as humans like unresolved trauma and you know yeah and like which which i think is the case for both like you know two out of three of the main characters in the movie um and and you know and legacy and having to carry on a business and struggles with the economy and even um with i believe it's it's a uh, they have donna mills as the the dolly parton ex esque actress in the beginning like just the dynamic right. between people of note and people of celebrity and like normal people around them and um how just you know especially um like i i he i think he used uh like the pastiche of uh, them being horse trainers because it's very anachronous to what we expect characters like that to do as a family business. Um, so you right. know, I think that was meant to turn things on its head very much. Um, uh, and like, I feel like I have so much to say and I don't want to put it in the wrong place in the podcast, no, but no, no. everything that he did was like I every five seconds I was going oh that's brilliant oh that's brilliant I just like I like and then I kind of left it and I'm like all of those things were brilliant and I wish that they had sort of connected in uh, maybe a, a, a more linear way than was fair of me to expect but it's still oh, kind right. of how I felt you know well yeah it's um it's just kind of uh insane the way he I don't know the, the way it it's so jarring a little bit the way it starts 
with the uh, uh, I don't know. You you go in there. You've seen the trailers. None of this was in the trailers. The the flashbacks to the sitcom uh, tragedy, and uh, to start it out there again, brilliant. But it does like it hits you like a, a sack of bricks. It's like oh oh my god, what the what what are we want? <laughs> what is this? Um, what does this have to do with anything? So it, I mean, and, and out of the gate, you're like, okay, what's that got to do with any of this? Um, the whole time, you know, until again, uh, Stephen Yoon's character shows up there, and we start to get like you know he's kind of capitalizing on his trauma a little bit, which is an interesting take on you know like. Uh, that to me feels a little bit like a uh, feels a little bit like a uh, not a chastisement, but just like a a mirror to some social media kind of stuff or yeah. anything or like, you know, like celebrity, like, you know, people being more open about their their stuff, which is great. But, you know, there are people who will, I mean, kind of capitalize on that kind of stuff. But like it's just well, the, the price that it pays because you can tell that it still bothers him, but he's like. This is what people want. You know, people want they want to come in here and see the museum. My well, stuff, also, you know, like, like his, people have a morbid curiosity. Um, to his credit, he did a really good job of playing it very much like a person. Um, you know, and like not to get I maybe more personal, but I feel like because I can kind of relate to this, you know, I have had right. kind of a lot of family tragedies and especially like shortly after my mom died, uh, I didn't uh, like, I don't think that I realized how traumatizing that was for me. And like, you know, like you have people ask you questions about it and like confront you about it. And like, I went through the whole funeral and then forever because she died pretty suddenly. And, um, and it, like for weeks people would just come up to me and be like, what happened? And I have to tell the story over and over again. Right. And I thought he did such a tremendous job of like being the person who's telling themselves completely internally that none of this bothers him. Like he's just, I've told the story so many times that, you know, like it's, it's just, it's old hat. Like eh, it's funny now. Like I can, I have this right. memorabilia and you can just like, he's got this incredibly like, you know, like he's smiling, but behind this really blank stare of this guy that has just not done any of the work to actually process what he's been through and his way of coping yeah. with it is trying to control nature because he didn't learn his lesson the first time around. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you there. Uh, no, not it, at all. But no. I, just, I just thought he did it. He was he was really tremendous. And somebody, when I was also like walking out of the theater, um, said something to the effect of, like, he just didn't have, like, he, I don't know. He had, like, no affect. He wasn't, um, he just was, like, this very, he was kind of very neutral, even keel. Like, you know, maybe that was the whole reason they made him a cowboy, because, like, he's supposed to be an absolute, like, absolute cool guy. Um, and yeah. I thought that that was, but that was exactly, that was so, it was the exact right choice for the character, because he is doing everything to project disaffected when internally he is yes. destroyed, you know? Right, right, yeah. And like you said, again, the whole, you know, the way that people don't deal with their trauma a lot of times, you know, the way that it is like a, um, you know, I'm going to just kind of swallow this and not deal with it. And yeah, you, the way, you, however you control it, whatever um, it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it's never a healthy way 
unless you actually deal with it the way that you're supposed to. And again, he never did. And so now we've got, yeah. And the theme of, which seems like the, on, I think on the surface seems like the biggest theme, the theme of, you know, attempting to control nature a little bit, you know, um, thinking you're, I don't know, like, because we are maybe slightly more intelligent, evolved beings, you know, like, oh, we kind of get a pass or we're like, you know, we're impervious to some of the the consequences of nature when in fact there's a huge sequence in this movie that is the one that that absolutely traumatized me yeah um <laughs> that proves that no there is no in fact no uh res like nature's no respecter of persons age gender whatever uh like like whatever your bank account says it doesn't matter nature like if nature turns on you you will die. It doesn't matter, which again is, this is very dark and everything, but again, Jordan does very dark themes yet somehow makes it entertaining and, and, and thought and like hopeful and things like that ends up putting a lot of levity in which, I mean, of course he has his background in comedy, of course, but no, it, it's, I don't know. Like it, it is, it is, it's been a chore. Like I didn't rewatch the movie before I came to talk about it tonight. And part of it is because like, it's not available to rent yet and blah, 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 blah. But I also am just a little, it took so much out of me, frankly, it took so much because again, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's that, it's that whole, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's a very, um, it's a very loud theme. It's a very, it's loud in, in some parts. And it's also very, um, how do you, it hits kind of home. And so, but anyway, um, so let me try to think here. Uh, let me find, let's see. I'm sorry. I got to get to our notes here. Guys, you love this, don't you? You know, also, I guess while you're doing that, I'll say that, um, please, you know, to kind of go back to what we were saying about Steven Yoon, um, like I realized towards the middle of the movie that like I thought um, they were setting up something that would come full circle later, which they, you know, it kind of obviously does. But I also think right. that it, it was very important to transpose, you know, I thought it was mainly about the chimpanzee. And I realized later on that it was 100% more about the scared little shaking boy completely transposed with this person who oh, yeah. acts like it's just a thing that happened you know um right. like like it didn't affect him and you kind of know um and you see as as the thing that probably traumatized you terribly uh is about to happen to him and the reality <laughs> dawns on him like that yeah. that expression kind of creeped down that that terror creeped down over his face again and again he just played it so brilliantly and i feel like oh, um yeah. it, it's such a credit to him because he's in this silly like rhinestone costume the entire time um uh you know and i also i liked the fact that the most terrifying scene of the movie is is kind of in the juxtaposition of an amusement park because the yes. whole idea of an amusement park is supposed to be that it takes you out of everything and people go there and they feel safe like nothing bad can possibly happen here and you know it plays upon like kind of like these most primal feels fears that we have about these places that we consider safe which is kind of a theme that he touched on in us because you know um like 
like underneath the amusement park, which was in that movie also the, the amusement park from Lost Boys. Um, you know, there's all this evil really bubbling below the surface. Yeah. Didn't so know that. I no. haven't seen Lost Boys. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. <laughs> well, you've got you got like how many months left of October? Correct that. I know. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Boop, Boop is going to watch this now. And, and yeah, yeah, they, they will change it for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that and so we, we would be remiss real quick, though, if we did not mention that that was the most bombad scene as well, right before the, the scene that did. Again, it very much traumatizes me and I'll get into kind of I, I can get into the nitty gritty. We don't have to. But like uh, that scene did have uh, and the one survivor actually of that attack was the icy machine. <laughs> and so, and again, if you watch this show, you know that. I mean, Icy should sponsor this Icy. show. Like, what are you doing? Why are you not sponsoring the show? There, it, it, it's coming. You know, we've listened contracts and and Icy sponsors and, the so, worst so. pizza parlor in my neighborhood. They can sponsor this show. I'm just saying. Listen, we need to. Uh, is it? Is it owned by someone named Charles Entertainment Cheese? Because you know we're <laughs> we're kind of making that our brand too. Apparently. Um, yeah, Brian, you didn't know? We do. We, we listen, listen. We're we are um we've made our mark. And uh, yeah, Icy's just another it's another rung on the ladder, man. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But uh no, um oh here we go. William's in the chat. William, what's up, buddy? Reagan is Hi, amazing. Thank also you. agree. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so uh so the the thing that's most affected to me, and like you you are absolutely nailing the themes on the head and everything like i'm again i got up at 3 a.m for work this morning so i feel like i'm just kind of stumbling through it but and trying to remember what i watched in july <laughs> but uh you've the juxtaposition you're talking about with the the families at the theme park and everything the fact that the uh actress who got her face ripped off mm -hmm. is visiting him there and you see her she's got like her the her a picture of her back and you know she what is it's wild about so that wild. is that they really like they took that beat for beat from the actual woman who is famously in that that terrible i think it was oprah interview where she she herself had gotten her face ripped off by a chimpanzee that is like exactly the, the whole beekeeper outfit was what she was wearing um yeah. in her interview and i kind of wonder what really? she wow. feels like about that because i don't know i mean i like like right. it's imperfect perfect for this movie i don't know if it was in the best possible taste uh but um but you know like it's like uh, it's I think it also like her being there wasn't just for the shock value of seeing her face. It was the fact that there was no shock to him whatsoever in seeing like that's how right. far gone he was from ever dealing with what actually happened to him. And I really like oh, uh, yeah. there are so many amazing performances in this movie. I do not want to make it all about him, oh, even though he was amazing because it's not his movie, right. he's not the star of the show. But um, but I it's just... amazing because he's not. But he's he is such a huge like he, he's almost like the linchpin on which everything yeah. can, the, the themes kind of hang. Yeah. So but yeah, it's like him and Daniel Kaluuya's eyeballs are are the star. Oh my god! Of the show. They 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 could do a move like a, a movie about like a, a staring contest or yes. something, and just like two hours of them like side eyeing and like you know like eyebrows moving up and down. I would watch the hell of it. Um, but yeah, no. So, um, like like you said, you mentioned Daniel Kaluuya, and I I don't know what it was about his performance. Um, 
the way he played and OJ again is such a very um a very real character. It felt like a, a real person. Yeah. Uh, such a real person. In fact, it 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 didn't feel like again, he it felt like he had become this person again, which I know is like that I that's mean, acting, dude, even whatever. Just but like, like it just a, like a real relatable person, but a real relatable person who's also neurodivergent in a way that we all can recognize, you know? Right. <laughs> Right. And that's, again, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, just like and again, he's the whole he's he's trying like, you know, like, hey, you do this speech that your dad used to do, you know, um, to kind of like sell these executives on this. And uh, he's like, I'm just not, I'm not good at it, you know, and just the whole I mean, I don't know the whole uh, the whole gamut of, of everything that he did and, and the way that he acted, the way that he uh, he handled the situations again uh, is just absolutely brilliant and, and like you like said some great power looks. ultimately also with the with the the beast the monster the alien whatever is that he right. doesn't make eye contact which for me someone who struggles desperately with eye contact i was like that's my hero that's 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 right that's that I really <laughs> representation yes <No. laughs> but like no i i mean i kind of struggle with that a little bit too you know it's and it, it is definitely a uh it's it's so interesting yeah because he he's very good at it right like that is the it's crazy that, that is the superpower but um to have also his uh the relationship between him and his polar opposite but yet loving sibling kiki palmer which oh my god she she's got everything about to happen to her like everything like she's about to, i mean she's already phenomenal. blown up but she's about to blow up you know right. um uh she's just she was she was so amazing because her energy i felt like was so it was so genuine you know and yes. um i thought it was really interesting because you know we start off like when we first meet him he is like the very the typical like dude in a hoodie who just gets ignored like everywhere he goes like you know people just right. have like their reticular right. activating it doesn't happen for him and um and you know we see all of these kind of like up their own ass hollywood people who actually probably yeah. are less talented at what they're doing than he is have less craft than he has for what he's doing um he walks in they're all ignoring him and you know he you can tell like without them ever having to say this without them giving too much backstory on him this is clearly um something that he's dealt with his whole life and when kiki comes in it then becomes there's a whole other layer to their family dynamic which is instantly obvious that is never explicitly explained in the movie which is that right. you know she she just consumes like she just takes all the air the second she's in the room she consumes all the attention like you know and she probably has put in a lot less work doing the actual training doing you know she's got to promote all of her other stuff right. and he's just kind of standing there quiet and probably clearly frustrated with himself for his inability to command attention in the way that oh, she God. does but yeah. also frustrated with her because she doesn't she doesn't have the focus and the dedication to the family business that he does uh but the love between them is still incredibly incredibly palpable you know um and their oh, dynamic yeah. is is like it's very like i don't have siblings but it's very real to a sibling relationship um it's very you know. heartwarming it's very heartwarming it was it was just such a uh i don't know the, it it was the warmest thing in this movie right frankly 
and you know it also he continues the uh, like the kind of the overarching theme of the movie which is trauma which is he is also not dealing with the trauma of losing his father in a random weird um like right and him being right there mm -hmm. when the accident happened too is just mm -hmm. yeah 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 um you know but i also think that the movie itself like all of the events of the movie are ultimately him that's the difference he's processing the trauma and ultimately does by the end of the film and he's mentally in a better place um and steven yoon's character never does and it consumes him very literally so right absolutely yeah no it's and again so it's it's I think as we're talking about this, ass. I'm like, oh, actually, no, I really like it. <laughs> like, now that I'm actually talking it through. Yeah, now, yeah. You know. Right. And again, like, it, it makes me want to rewatch it again. Like, it, so, so Reagan and I tonight, guys, are um, counseling each other, I think, about this movie. <laughs> you know, like, her counseling me to go, dude, just, like, suck it up and watch it again. It's a great movie. And you also, like, seeing, like, all the, yeah, there are, like, so much, there, it, you have the themes and then it, it just, again, it's a Jordan Peele movie. The levels just keep going down and everything. Like it just keeps, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, hold on here. Um, Trey, baby, listen, don't Trey get, said, don't get jealous. What's up, Trey? Trey uh, hello. Yes. And go check out uh, Mile High Cinema. By the way. I don't know why I'm talking to Trey. Like he's a cat, but yes, check out Mile High Hi, Cinema. Trey. I was on it too. <laughs> right. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, two great people have been on the podcast. So go check out Trey's podcast. Um, oh, and we got, okay. Jared is also here. Uh, ready for Jean Jacket and Cookie Cop Discourse. Listen, oh man. I don't know if I'd quite consider Jean Jacket a uh, a demigod or, or an eldritch being. I don't think so, really. I mean, maybe possibly worshipped by people a long time ago, but who knows? Maybe well, he helped Cookie build the Cop pyramid. Would probably apparently, try to tame Jean Jacket, and I think I think that is where Cookie Cop would meet his end. That I know those are big words, but yeah, yeah, I don't. It would be hard, you know. And then there would just be like cookies being shot from the sky <laughs> um, instead of instead of people's keys and things of that nature. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I think an interesting uh, crux about this this movie as well, and it it honestly so okay. I think a lot of you know, I am kind of a little bit of a paranormal junkie as well as a canon junkie kind of a thing. I, I kind of love that kind of unknown kind of stuff like that. You know, and again, mutual friend of the show, like our mutual friend and mutual friend of the show, uh, Boop from Nerd Herder. Like we both are kind of like into that creepy stuff. Um, I mean, not so much that we think that everyone in the government is lizard people and that, you know, like we're going to go storm any capitals or anything. No, no, because we have brains. But um just being interested in kind of like UFOs and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, even short, not short of having experiences with uh, certain kind of things like that, which me and Boop will be talking about at the end of the month this, uh, this October. Uh, so come for our personal experiences on Bombad cast at the end of the month. All that to say, we went in thinking it was a nuts and bolts UFO. And the fact that again, Jean jacket, as it is called, uh, as it is lovingly dubbed later is, is actually the twist that it is actually a living, breathing entity is, is a little crazy. It threw me for a loop. And I was, I, I'll admit Reagan again, the little, the little, uh, you know, UFO nut inside of me was like, I'm a little upset that it's not that, but did you know, and this is fun fact corner right now. Do you know that that's an act? There's actual uh, accounts of this kind of, quote unquote 
uh, unidentified aerial know, phenomenon. And I don't think I wanted to know that. Thank you. <laughs> well, and it's not not the eating people part. I haven't found any that said that, but I do actually. If you don't mind, I will read a little bit of of something oh. from the 1920s. If I don't and sleep not, tonight, I'm going to be so mad at you. You can you can you can send me you can send me text after text. Say you better wake up, you bastard. Um, I'm going to have to uh, send you nudes. Oh my God, please. No, I don't want to, I don't want to see his chocolate chips again. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me pull this up here. Uh, uh, where is it? Here we go. Gargantuan gliders. Aha. So, um, I'm pulling this from a website that it's, it's a website for a podcast called, uh, let me see, uh, the Kryptonaut podcast. The website is actually Cryptopia. And it's about it's just these guys who really, again, kind of like Boop and I love the cryptids, the weird stuff and things like that. And they spe like specifically hang in the weird, really like what people say they really did see this kind of stuff, which is the, the fun stuff. Um, but anyway, so uh, in an October 1959 issue of Ray Palmer's uh, ufological periodical uh, Flying Saucers, um, a letter by uh, a, a pilot uh, named Don Wood Jr. Uh, was kind of, well, it was, it was published in this in 1959. This happened, let's see, in 1925, though. The experience happened in 1925. Um, this is an excerpt from a letter he sent to a friend. He says, I must write, uh, I must write you of what happened to me. They, again, this sounds like someone from 1920. We don't talk like this anymore, but it's anyway... It's very proper. Here we go. I must write of you. Or I must write you of what happened to me in 1925, which I think solves most UFO reports. I have never told this to anyone, but it can, uh, but can get signed affidavit if needed. Four of us were flying old gene, uh, old genies, 065 motors. So it's like a. And he, he talks about the liquid cooled air. He talks, starts talking about the engine of his aircraft, um, basically flying little biplanes, kind of things. Over the Nevada desert, one plane was a two-seater. One, uh, the one he was in, uh, we, excuse me, uh, one plane was a two-seater, and the one I was in was a one-seater. Uh, we we landed on a flat mesa near Battle Mountain. So they were again. So over the Nevada desert, they landed on one of these uh, mesas here. Uh, the mesa is about five thousand square feet, and the walls are too steep to climb uh, unless. A lot of work is done. So there, they had a lot of like room to land on this giant thing. Uh, we wanted to see what was on top of this flat place. We landed at 1 p.m. While walking about the top of this place, we noticed something was coming in for a landing. It was about eight feet across and was round and flat like a saucer. Uh, the undersides were a reddish color. It skidded to a stop about 30 feet away. Uh, this next you won't believe, and I don't care, but it's the truth. <laughs> we walked up to the thing, and it was some animal like we'd never seen before. It was hurt, and as it breathed, the top would rise and fall. Listen to this. Making a half-foot hole all around like a clam opening and closing. Kind of a thing. Um, quite a hunk had been chewed out of one side of the ri this rim, and a sort of metal-looking froth issued. So it had been bit basically, and like it looked like metal stuff was coming out of it, like liquid metal, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Uh, this is getting, yeah, it's get really weird. Um, when it saw us, it breathed frantically and rose up only a few inches, only to fall back to earth again. 
It was moist and glistened on the top side. We could see no eyes or legs. After about 20 minutes rest, it started pulsating once more. We stayed 10 feet away. And so help me, the thing grew as bright as all get out except where it was hurt. And it had a, a mica-like shell body. Uh, it tried to rise up again, but sank back again. Then we saw a, listen, listen, a large round shadow fall on us. And we looked up and ran. Coming in was a much larger animal 30 feet across. It paid no attention to us, but settled itself over the small one. Four sucker-like tongues settled on the little one, and the big one got so dazzlingly bright that you couldn't look at it. Both rose straight up and were out of sight in a second. They must have been traveling a 1,000 miles an hour to get so high so fast. When we walked over to where there was uh, over there, there was an awful stench, and the frothy stuff the little one had bled looked like fine aluminum wire. There was more frothy, wiry stuff in the 30-foot circle where the big one had breathed. This stuff finally melted in the sun, in the sun, and we took off. Wow. Wow. Have fun sleeping tonight. Yeah. Um, but no, cool. so, and I for, I'd forgot, I had heard this before I saw Nope. And I was like, oh, cool. I remember uh, hearing a story like this of like sky jellyfish or whatever. Like I already like I forgot how close it was. Cloud now I'm just like ah weird cloud and I will stay there. Just be like did it move? Did it move? This did this did for uh what Jaws did for the water. This did for kind of like the sky and I mean like a little bit to a less degree because it is a little bit like obviously you don't hear about as many of living flying saucers uh eating people as you do like you know maybe even like shark attacks which again aren't shark attacks are also very rare and everything right. but you usually hear about them a lot more than you hear about you know again giant heaving clam creatures on uh mesas and everything but i just i i was a little amazed going back and reading that how close it actually is but that's scott that's something scotty and i wanted to kind of touch on is that jordan i think either is into this or he yeah he did his homework be. like, because yeah for sure it a hundred percent is all because I think people were like, "Oh, I thought this was going to be a UFO thing." It kind of wasn't, or and something. But I was like, really oh, that's glad. An interesting take on that. Like oh, I was yeah. really glad that it wasn't. I was really glad um, that it was something more, just kind of nondescript because I think that added right. so much to it. Like, um, oh, absolutely, it made it more terrifying. Yeah, frankly. completely. Like you couldn't possibly there's like you couldn't possibly gauge its intentions um what no. it was you know um and and it was also incredibly elegant and beautiful i thought like you know and uh, like kind of like like you you could even see like even when they were kind of gazing um you know gazing upon it and and when like you know kiki sees the image of it that she'd taken for the first time it's just it's just a stunningly beautiful creature it looks like something you know from the the depths of the ocean that like you'd never be able to identify um you right. know and i like the fact that they didn't particularly make it look sinister or give it you know no. make it look evil um because you know i think one of the worst things that movies have ever done um even if not especially star wars is give people the mistaken idea that something incredibly dangerous would be easy to identify and look like um you know uh idiosyncratically evil so um i, re right. I really like that and um 
I, I mean, I did also like, you know, as as we said earlier, the entire third act from the dinner scene on. Um, and oh, I God. have to give props to number one, the fact that they they resurrected Michael Wincott, who we haven't seen in movies in forever. And he's most famous um, I, from his, his his turn uh, as like the the the, um, the lead bad guy in the crow, who kind of famously with okay. filing uh, screws a prostitute to death. Like, but he's uh, just so he's a great actor, and he's kind of some. He's often been relegated to movies that are pretty below him, but he was so absolutely perfectly cast in this movie. Um, and, he absolutely stole that last act. Oh, absolutely. Completely. And he was the perfect it. person. The purple people eater thing, by the way. Well, the but yeah, like, like oh. but what a great riff on, like, you know, if you know you me at all, that? you know that uh, Robert Shaw's Indianapolis speech in Jaws is like one one of if not my favorite 15 minutes in movies of all time so much so obviously that on june 29th of every year i like i dress up as quint and i i pay homage to it and um and That's incredible. like i thought the riff on that to make it to stay to stage it exactly the way that scene is staged down to the plates and the cups and have him like you think well he's this weathered old actor a la robert shaw you think he's going to say something so profound and to mm -hmm. just riff on it and make it so silly like and innocuous just to like and that's how you kind of know like like shit's about to go down because it's yeah. so silly that like like and it's such a it's like this moment of levity and all this tension that you just intrinsically know it's about to get so bad um oh right and and like really like it it plays off so much like beat for beat the way the third act of jaws plays even to the way that the creature dies is almost identical um but it was yeah. you know yeah. it was oh, not absolutely. like it wasn't it wasn't it was a love letter it was absolutely um clearly very much in like an homage and um i you know like i i loved the way that they did it um you know and i want to i have it open i feel i feel bad i know um like the other two actors that i wanted to mention were who in a much smaller part barbie ferreira ferreri i don't know if it's ferreria or ferreira she's um who's Hold also on, from I've got the page pull up euphoria there. who she's she's like such a scene scene stealer as the co-worker um in the electronic store but i can't think of okay. i i have to look at that the was name. fantastic um, the name of the actor who actually played like the uh, the the quote unquote Best Buy employee who also um, Brandon uh, Brandon Peria. Yes, he he was also he's completely fantastic as just like this person who inserts himself completely yes. um, into this and he's but he sticks with them like he's a very obviously underpaid minimum wage employee with a shitty job who just happens to have this passion for these things that are, you know, alien and paranormal and, um, right. you know, and he, and he sticks it out with them. And, uh, you know, like, I also kind of love that they don't really, I feel like I don't want to give too much away to people that haven't seen it. Um, like Jordan oh, Peele does not yeah. accept, except I think with the exception of Michael Wincott, who mm. you kind of just know his character is going to get it. He doesn't really, he doesn't fall into the trap of fridging like the beloved main characters, of the movie like he he lets you right. off the hook and like lets them 
get out of it. You know, um, although like to, you know, to say like he did, he still did, I think, or maybe that was just he's done such a good job of building up that that specific tension. I still did feel like at the very end of the movie, um, when Kiki is at the well and she's finally gotten that shot that she was desperate to get. And that was such a ah, that was such a great set. It was piece of just like so great, like the tension yeah. and the stress of cranking out that picture. But when you hear the cops in the background and you know that they're coming and you know that all of these people have been murdered and disappeared. Like, I think, I don't know, because it's a Jordan Peele, like, and he's, he's done such a great job of making the cops be the secondary villain of everything, Yes, you know, yes. which is also like, let's be honest. I don't want to, I don't want to, but like, you know, a lot of cops have done a good job of making themselves the secondary villain. Of everything. No, no, I'm you're sorry. Right. Like, I know no, it's, it's not all of you, but that needs stop to be said. Stop apologizing um, for it. We've, there are no bootlickers in this chat. We're good. But, We're good. Um, but, uh, but you know, I was, I was like, I just like, I had that sick worry for her, like in that, in that moment, the whole and, time. Um, and the he whole does set very, piece was edge of your seat stuff completely, you know? And like, again, it was, it was stuff like that. Like it was, and I think that that's why when I felt like the ending, the roll to credits, even though I completely knew it was coming, it was so abrupt. And I was so right. like, like I was so on the edge of my seat with everything and he had built up so much tension. And like, I guess as a parallel, um, I just finished a Sopranos rewatch and it's funny because I felt very similarly, I don't want to spoil the Sopranos for anybody, but, um, it's very similarly to the the fade to black end of the Sopranos when everybody thought their cable went out and originally because it just fades so abruptly to, to black. Oh, and um, to revisiting that, I kind of realized I was like, no, actually, that ending is brilliant. It's absolutely the exact right ending for the show and for that character. Um, and I think like I don't know still if I feel that for nope, that was the case again. Um mm. I I really do feel that it, it it is partially because all movies are suffering from um, this abandonment of structure and like I think uh, it's it has become kind of like a hallmark of a good filmmaker now to not uh, feel obligated to give you a satisfying conclusion to anything right. and that works sometimes and if anybody can do that he can do that and if like in like regardless everything else in this film um there's so many parts that stand individually so well that he gets a pass for it um but i still think like i don't know as a viewer and as somebody who loves movies as much as i do i don't know how much more in me i have of sitting in a theater where i've been in really invested in a movie for the whole two hours to just go you know, like it just it takes something out of right. you, like in that moment. Um, and especially when uh, like like in a movie like this, where there were so many creative choices, like I'm dressed like this because I wanted to be like the colors of an inflatable man. Like, yeah, um, like the fact oh, that you, he made you nailed this, it, by the way, like <laughs> like like he like he made this he very purposely made most of the movie very bright and very cheerful um you know in right. like a complete like completely disparate from like the color palette of every horror movie that you've ever seen ever and i thought that was oh. such an interesting interesting choice and like kind of like even in the way that he does something that is probably like the most extreme gore trope ever like taken to the 10th degree of covering an entire house in, in blood and again oh no God. one reacts to it whatsoever iconic um, 
Iconic. Then, like, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, and it's in a field of like inflatable flappy guys of all different colors, you know. Um, I also loved, I feel like we're very disjointed in the way that we're talking about this, but the way that That's how uh, we do. His, his very obvious fuck you to TMZ, which was. No, so I wanted to bring this up when you were talking yeah. about the Quint, uh, you know, uh, kind of connection and everything. The fact that that dude like crashes and is screaming and then gets eaten, right? And then that's how they can kind of hear it coming is they hear the guy screaming inside mm -hmm. of Jean Jacket. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. <laughs> it's, and at that time, uh, that one traumatized me less. I was kind of laughing a little bit at that one, <laughs> which, you know, again, uh, makes me maybe a psychopath. But, uh, no, it was that was an absolute, like, F you to TMZ I kind mean, of can, the thing. Can you imagine? And they made that character seem so, like, in the trailer, it's like, what is that dude's deal? Because the the mirrored helmet and everything, absolutely nothing. Great, like a great uh, red herring to kind of put in there, and just like a, what a what a great demise. But uh, also, like you have to imagine as somebody if, um, who's uh, who's celebrity, even though he was, you know, obviously doing Key and Peel on, I believe, Mad TV prior to that, um, you know his celebrity shot up tremendously after his first film. Like you have to yeah. imagine. And, you know, he's, he's married to somebody who's also on TV, like the, the life of just everywhere you go, you're ambushed by those fucking people just asking you the most inane questions. Yeah, yeah. And like, so, you know, it was, it was a very, like, I, I just such a, like a perfect, because also like, like the death of that character affects nothing that happens it's just he's faceless no. he's pointless and like literally faceless it's like, just a, it's a mirrored mm -hmm. mask like it's so yeah yeah but again like that's kind of it, it, what i mean when i say there are so many elements in this movie that i'm like oh that was so brilliant it needs a second so rewatch for sure um, it needs a second maybe third even you know, however many rewatches it and needs. even like there is also so like just like the you know and i i know that like the album choices that they're dancing to again largely was just to be able to have an awesome soundtrack to this movie um but like just like the like i don't know having like it was like they also did you know the, something that i noticed too was that um you know like because they have like the cell phones go in and out of working and the electricity goes in and out of working but right. the only real like techie tech that you ever see in this movie is like the surveillance stuff that uh that the guy brought to them like he makes a yeah. big i felt like at least i think uh he very purposely wanted to make this movie as kind of luddite as possible even down to having michael wincott's character completely issue like modern like cinematic techniques and just use a crank camera and have right. like, the very end, like, you know, the picture, the most beautiful shot is ultimately taken on a crank oh, camera. Man. And um, so I like, I think it was um, like, it was a really good choice to kind of strip everybody of their reliance of, on tech and kind of uh, like bring everybody back to their most, you know, what for us now is our most raw and vulnerable state, which is kind of stripped right. of our devices, which is like being stripped Very of your primal. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's a, another, I think, underlying theme of this movie is the way that people 
like choose to see things the way that people view things where you have Daniel Kaluuya's character who can never really view anything directly. Um, and in a lot of ways right. that that goes, it's, it's a more kind of overarching thing in his life. He's not really viewing his problems. He's not, um, he's not attacking anything directly. He's just kind of existing in it until he's forced to, but that ends up, um, you know, like that ends up being his saving grace and Michael Wincott, uh, like needing to view everything from his auteur's lens and kind of overcomplicating everything. Right. Um, he wants you know, the shot of a lifetime. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I think that's, that's even, it tells you that in the, in the posters, because what are all of the posters? They are people like looking up to the sky, mm -hmm. like viewing something and all of the, like so much of this movie is about perception um about perception of what like what is what is truly dangerous what is truly a predator what can be controlled what cannot be controlled um right. your perception of the things that shaped your entire life like even your perception of your traumas your perception of your hardships um in the case of both right. uh kiki and, and so i think that um that's a, that's a very big theme of this movie uh, as well and i think that it was again it was done really beautifully like there were so uh, I can say this until I'm hoarse. Like it, there were so many just fantastic, interesting, compelling, just beautifully done themes. And, you know, I, I again, wish that they had connected more. I think as we talk it through, um, I, 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 I am leaning towards the idea that they probably did connect more than I maybe realized on my first viewing, but. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, I know what you mean though. It's like it, it it is one of those films that there, like you're saying, there's a lot of moving parts. And, and again, like it's, it's hard. The more I think about it too, the more I want to rewatch it, but it is like one of those, it's very heavy. It's very, um, you know, there's, there's very crazy elements to this and no, no, it's um, no, it, it's absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Like you, you're making some good points here. Um, I'm sorry. I was looking up the the posters because I you were talking about the posters. Them looking up, I for some reason thought that the Daniel Kaluuya poster he was actually looking down, which I thought would be an interesting. It, but it's not. There no, he's just got up, those. So. He's got those Sanpaku eyes where there's just so much white underneath his pupils. You yeah. know? So, um, and his just, just incredible. His ability also uh, to again to give him so much credit because he had a very hard job in this movie of um having to really telegraph somebody who's kind of uh struggled probably with confidence issues is dealing with a lot of sort of um you know unprocessed pain uh and who you know who is very very burdened by his family's legacy and by his finances right. and you like you know they they don't he's not telling you that with a tremendous amount of dialogue he doesn't say a lot of words in this movie everything is his face everything is his body language and that was right. to an extent true of um you know of like you know when we, we first saw him uh in 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 get out you know um like he you know it was just that single tear like you know uh like oh he, yeah he portrays it so beautifully but he did i mean that like really i it was a difficult difficult job to be able to um you know just tell us so much about 
like just to make this character so fully realized without you know I, he i don't know he's he's probably got like 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 60 lines of dialogue i think in the whole movie you know like he's right. it's just i don't know he was he's always phenomenal he's like he's you know he's a very reliable actor and i i is really he, one of the um, as the kids say i'm sorry i'm sorry i brought it up immediately actually so you know but uh, i do i do also like i have to point out i i tried to find it before we recorded tonight but one of the pieces of press that came out specifically about him um, kind of ahead of this movie sort of suggested that he was a fantastic actor, but because of his physicality, uh, he would be relegated to leading man to leading roles like this, where he was just a regular guy. And, you know, I kind yeah. of just want to say, I think that's a little bullshit. Um, and I think that there's room for like, I don't think that we should have this very preconceived idea of what a leading man is because the, the performance and the ability should dictate that um, because there are right. many more people in the world with compelling stories that look like him and look like just people you know then yeah than no, look like absolutely. like idris elba or look like so um i that had particularly right. really we aggravated wish. me because that's such a, it's such a failure to understand or comprehend what acting is about and what talent is so um that's neither here nor there but whoever you are who wrote that i'm gonna find it and i'm gonna shame you on twitter and I'm I'm rough, so yeah. Oh, oh, Reagan pulls no punches. So let's just go. Go ahead, go ahead and pack it up. Go ahead and deactivate the account. It's over. It's all good. Uh, pack it up. Time to go home. And you know, but no, no, Reagan, you're one of the sweetest. I mean, come on. Um, but no, she will. She will destroy you. Uh, but anyway, um, no, this is yeah. So frankly. I, I don't know. I, I, I might end up, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to still wait until I can rent it or, or, or have a little extra cash to get this thing. But like, I, I, I need to see it again now. I need to see it again. Like after this discussion, we have thoroughly counseled each other. I think, I think we have, it seems like the counseling worked, uh, frankly. <laughs> and so, um, but no, um, Again, if you haven't seen this and you're watching this, we spoiled minimal things, and there's a lot to this movie, um, and we spoiled some things. But at the same time, um, just, I don't know, go. You haven't watched the new Jordan Peele joint? Go do it. I mean, what the hell are you doing here? That's a, that's something that modern people do, is you watch the new Jordan Peele film when it comes out. So, uh, But anyway, um, Reagan, I, real quick. So, listen, we're kind of coming to a little bit of a close here because I just think that, you know... Um, I, I think that we both need to go reinforce our windows and, you know, also uh, learn meteorology so we can tell when clouds are being, you know, a little fucky. But just thank you so much for uh, coming on here and chatting it up with no, me and everything. Like, even, even I with like so... the technical difficulties and stuff like that, you know. Uh, I was just so th excited when I heard up. you guys were going to talk about this because I just felt like I had so much to say about this movie. And I was really shocked that I thought, when this movie dropped, I was like, why is no one on Twitter talking about it? Because very few people did. Um, right. And I was shocked by that. You know, like uh, it opened, Same. it had opened 
uh, like 10 days earlier in New York and I was supposed to go see it, but my boss hugged me and gave me COVID. So I didn't oh, get to go see boss. it. Um, Bosses are like that sometimes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but so I didn't get to actually see it until it came out, but I thought I like didn't go on Twitter for two days, which is very difficult for me. And, um, and then I thought, all right, <laughs> now, you know, I can talk about it because everybody's going to be talking about it. And it was like crickets, this is nothing. And I, I thought if nothing else, you know, no matter how you felt about this movie, it's a discussion movie, you know, it, like, like you said at the beginning, a discussion piece. It truly mm -hmm. is. This is, this is a movie you set on the mantle and pull down and go, Hmm, you know, have you, have you, have you met my Lord and savior jean jacket, you know, kind of a thing, but no, um, yeah, no, it's, it, it's criminally under talked about actually. It, it, like, I feel like there was like that first day, like maybe like a little bit of discourse, not discourse, but just like, wow, nope. And then, there wasn't even like when us came out, YouTube mm. was nothing but theorizing what happened in that movie for weeks. And there was just nothing right. like that on YouTube after this at all. I was shocked. I was completely shocked. Yeah. Oh, it's again, criminally under talked about, um, under talked about, is that under talk? I just created a new, there you go. Under discussed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, again, 3 a.m. Um, uh, it's, it's getting close, uh, to that bedtime for me, but, uh, no, again, thank you so much for coming on and, and kind of helping again, give me therapy for this. And, and again, I'm glad we were able to do that for each other here, but do you, do you have anything you want to share? Like anything you got coming up, uh, that you want to plug or anything like that? If, do you want people to follow you on Twitter? Cause you may not want that. I used to be weird about it. And I will say like, uh, as somebody just found out this week, if you get weird in my comments, um, I will block you immediately. And I, I like, it doesn't happen Which, that as I, you should. But like, I will just say like, you know, I understand that a lot of people on the internet are maybe a little bit ill socialized and don't know how to act around others, but you should, no, you should try and you should learn before you say things to other people. That's just all I'm going to say. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you can follow me. I am, I am at Regoba, R-E-G-O-B-A-H um, on Twitter. Yes. You, can, you can follow me there because if I get a hundred more of you, then I can start doing Twitter spaces and then I'll get really annoying. So, <laughs> you know, what's criminal, but we were talking about that, that you don't have enough to do spaces because you, your spaces would be the fucking best. So go follow Reagan, go tell your friends, friends to follow Reagan, uh, at Regaba. Seriously. Uh, great, thoughtful, funny content, like all the time. Uh, you, me, Peter Townley, we are all having boop. We're all having a blast, like being some of the most, uh, the vagabonds of Twitter. I feel like sometimes, but I also just feel like sometimes it's just like the most like, niche content, but it is the most niche content. And we're just having this very public, very weird Garfield centric conversation with each other that everybody is forced to what the most wild forced thing. And I'm watch, so but sad I feel that like people are here. entertained. My like, are real life friends and some of my family members who know me on Twitter make Scotty jokes. They don't know who Scotty is. <laughs> they just know that Scotty is a thing. He's like, Scotty's a concept. Um, <laughs> Hey guys, Scotty will be back again. Like it, it, we we kind of had a little like last minute thing. Everything's fine, but uh, yeah, no, no worries. The the concept will return. Our Twitter god, he will he will be back. And that is, I am that is I am I am sad because this is now twice I'm on this show that he's not been on. Like, is Listen, it me? There's am one I common denominator there. There's one I common know. denominator, Ray. 
No, I'm just like, like, and again, we're, we're going to have to get you back up. We're going to have to do a redo because like, we're going to have to tie Scotty to the chair or something uh, just to make sure that this happens. And we're going to, I don't know. We're going to have an intervention. What for, was the uh, other movie that we just, wasn't there just another movie that we figured out that you guys hadn't watched that like, There's just a, like a month I ago. I have the weirdest holes in my game. Um, I know you I've have seen, weird holes, Jerry. <laughs> I, all of us have weird holes, but you know, hey, it's just part of life. But um, I, I do like, I, I, I think I come across as a very like well-rounded movie fan, you know, movie buff. And yes, you know, I'm a fan of the cinema. I worked at a movie theater for eight years in the early 2000s. Oh no, oh my. But I have weird, weird stuff. Oh, are you good? Oh, I think we might've, Ray, did we lose ya? Oh my goodness. I hope that Jean Jacket didn't get Ray. Um, I, uh, Ray, blink twice if you're in Milwaukee. Are you good? Are you good? Listen, um, I'm going to remove you for right now, but if you can hear me, um, it's all good. We will listen. Guys, I'm going to land this uh, living carnivorous jellyfish that is the Bomb Pad cast. But guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for uh, joining uh, our Patreon to our patrons out there. Um, I would read the list, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know who you are. We love you all. Um, but guys, come back next week for a uh, – we have some spooky stuff in the works next week. Boop and I are absolutely going to try to scare the pants off of Scotty. Um, Reagan said her battery died. She's fine. She did not get eaten by a, a giant sky jellyfish. So we're all good. We're all fine here. How are you? Uh, but anyway, y'all. Uh, come back next week for some thrills and chills uh, with actual live. If you kind of enjoyed a little bit of me reading about, you know, kind of that, that, that actual uh, documented case of, uh, you know, living UFOs and everything uh, come back next week. We're going to do a little bit of uh, a haunted house story for Scotty. One of the most, uh, it's slightly famous. It's not as famous as it should be. Uh, frankly, there should be a Netflix show by Mike Flanagan uh, about this uh, story we're going to go to. And actually, <laughs> Whoops is back. Reagan's back. <laughs> my battery died. I'm so sorry. I did not. I, I thought that you got. I, <laughs> I thought you were getting digested in the belly of it. Honestly, so real quick, this is the Star Wars connection between Nope and this is that made me rethink being digested for a thousand years in the belly of a Sarlacc. Um, that one scene. That's all I'll say. Uh, th we'll have that, and also uh, I'm glad that yeah, you especially because being then digested. you realize also that like, <laughs> but like you hear them, um, like you can hear the screaming of the other people for like you know they hear it for like a day, so you know they're in there for a while. Like, oh, I know the whole thing that got me with it again. We'll do this with it. Like I, I was doing my little plugs and stuff here, but you know what? Listen, you guys get a little bit more uh, content and as to why this uh, absolutely uh, messed my head up. Um, all these random people you don't know, women, children, men, all of it, dying in the worst way possible altogether. Just the the sounds of everything. And honestly, someone had the subtitles on and you could really read what was going on. And that was worse. That was worse because there were sounds I missed or mistook for jellyfish organ noises that I'm like, oh, God. OK, um, anyway, don't get eaten by watch. Don't look up. Don't look up um, and don't get eaten by sky jellyfish. Everybody watch yourself out there. Watch for weird clouds. 
Um, and again, come back next week to get the pants scared off you by a, you know, boop and I, as we try to, again, scare Scotty's socks off. Um, we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up. And again, it's, it's it, Reagan. Have you ever heard of the, the Sally house? Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. Okay. And again, I, I don't know how many people are going to have show up for next week, but guys come up here. If you like scary stories and stuff, this one is, this is worthy of a Mike Flanagan Netflix show. I can't believe this one hasn't been, this is how I've talked Scotty into this. It's so cinematic almost. It's terrifying. It's so cinematic. It's like, it is like a real version of poltergeist. And so listen, Come next week. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit of levity uh, wrapped in there. I, Boop is going to leave her their um, uh, 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 Ouija board out. We were gonna use the Ouija board during it, but we're not going to now because we don't. Again, we don't want to absolutely. Send, we don't want to turn Scotty's hair white. Um, um, also, as so. as a Reagan, I can't yes. fuck with Ouija boards. Like Reagans traditionally, no. when they use Ouija boards, it doesn't go. Well oh, for us, that doesn't end well. Yeah, you usually, no. you usually end up uh, talking pea soup. Don't yeah, exactly. Exactly. That. Yeah. So we can't do that. But again, I, I hope you will, you know, stop by and like also you know, get a little spooked or something. I, I like a good spooky story. And this is a great one. Um, <laughs> some great stuff. And we also I'll plug this again because this is the thing. The worst part is going to be the end because there is a uh, there is a uh, what do you call it? You know how you go, people go to the haunted houses and they bring back like a recording, like, oh, we caught something on this audio recorder. This is one of the most terrifying ones I've ever heard. And I don't want to say much else about it because I want you guys to experience it. Um, but it will affect you almost uh, like Nope affected me. I'm just saying, uh, maybe a little bit. But anyway. Uh, now that I get y'all good and scared and Reagan again, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for coming back, even though your computer tried to, you know, make us think that you, again, were being digested and I'm, I'm glad that you're not. So it's, it's great. Again, great to be with you. Great to have you. We'll get Scotty on here with you. And, um, you know what? To the rest of you guys, I don't know. Listen, we've been talking real deep. We've been like waxing philosophical. We've been talking kind of spooky stuff. So let's get a little bit of levity here, real quick, okay? And then we'll uh, we'll we'll say goodbye. I'll let Reagan kind of tell us what we should do here in a minute. But first, Gene, I am hooked. <clears throat> Binge watching The Mandalorian. Oh my god. Unbelievable. It's on Disney. Check it out for yourself. I actually think it's better than the Star Wars movies. Just great. <laughs> he sounds like my Uncle Sam. Like He sounds like a, like, a, yes, I have an Uncle Sam, too. He just sounds like somebody's grandfather. Uh, but anyway, he is, actually, I'm pretty sure. Um, Reagan, what... Should the wonderful? Oh, hold on, sorry. Yeah, uh, Groge. Groge was also here. Uh, thanks for stopping by, Groge. We love you, baby. Um, but Reagan, <laughs> what should the wonderful Bombad people out there do? Hold on, hold on. Stay Bombad. Yeah. Did you say impossible, Pasquale? Only kidding, Jackie. I've changed my tune because I finally thought of a possible dream that we can all share. What, what is that? Pasquale? 
It's a dream about a world when nobody is poor or sick or hungry. Oh, now that's a dream we can make come true. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. 